Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I think a lot of people have helped through the brokerage firm. They're so fearful of making a mistake that they never do it. And they look back and kind of shake their head and wish they would have either done it or done more. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Dave Childers. How you doing, Dave? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Dave. He is both a multifamily broker as well as an owner. He owns approximately 300 doors. And in fact, he is a broker owner of Residential Investment Advisors. So he has experience selling the deal and then also buying the deals. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, his company's website's in the show notes. So you can just click that link and check out his company's website. With that being said, Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? 
Yeah. How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> go way back or we can keep it simple. Like you said, I started doing this pretty much right out of dropping out of college, doing real estate investing and doing it about 13 years now and bought my first rental property with a few financial guys, with a few guys that backed me financially when I was, I don't know, 23, 24 years old. And that's kind of how it all got started with one simple, small two-unit duplex here in the Nashville area and has grown now to pretty good portfolio. Obviously, we're trying to grow it more right now, but it's a little hard to find deals, about 300 doors. And we actually recently purchased a 86 unit down in Pensacola, Florida. So we're kind of branching out from the Middle Tennessee area. And kind of through that experience, I just kind of came to the realization that there wasn't a broker that specialized in this smaller multifamily. And talking to a few of my friends that broker large multifamily, 100 unit pluses, said, you know, you should really start a brokerage firm that specializes in smaller stuff. That's kind of what we've done here in Nashville. We do anything from two to 50, 60 units is kind of the bigger side of what we do. And it's a little niche market that we really like and we really enjoy working with individuals and helping them get started in their investing career. And what type of properties do you buy? Typically, because I'm raising money, I'm doing syndications, partnering with people. It has to be 55, 60 units plus, so larger stuff. So I'm not really competing with the people that I'm brokering to. You, kn- you knew where I was going with that, didn't you? <laughs> well, it's a question I get a lot. And they say, well, if it's such a good deal on this 10 unit, why don't you buy it? And it was a simple answer. If I'm syndicating them, getting my 15, 20, 30% of ownership, it's really not worth my time to get 20% ownership on a 10 unit deal with the amount of work that goes into it. So after doing this 12 years, I know how involved I am with deals on a daily basis. Everybody thinks, oh, you syndicate, you put the deal together and you get it done. And, you know, it's pocket money, it's mailbox money. It's not. All my properties, I'm looking at budgeting and numbers and insurance and just day-to-day stuff on a weekly basis. I'm not touching it every day, but I'm pretty involved. Will you talk to us about what you do do from an involvement standpoint with your syndicated deals that you've already done? Yeah, we can talk about the Pensacola deal. It's a flight down there to see that property. So I try to get down there quarterly, spend a couple days down there, maybe a day and a half, fly down there. We're giving reports. I've got a partner on it that helped me syndicate it. So reporting back to our investors, that property had aluminum wiring. So we're having to work with the lender and the property management, electrical companies and getting the aluminum wiring fixed done, which is a pretty large job in itself. How much does that cost? And then just making, oh, 140000 for 86 units. So what's that, about 1500 a door? Not okay. cheap. Not cheap. <laughs> you obviously knew that going into it, though. I did. The deal still made sense even after that cost. Trying to restructure that deal, trying to take it to another place. So we're renovating. We renovated 830 of the 86 this year. So just all those daily things that you're dealing with, vacancy levels, making sure you know, you're know you staying at a certain vacancy. Do we need to run a special this month? My big thing, I've been doing a lot and I've talked about it on other podcasts is using Facebook advertising, mostly in these smaller markets. And so I'll actually sit down with the manager and kind of show her how to do some Facebook advertising to bring people in. Mm-hmm. When you go down to Pensacola to visit your 86 units and you're there for a day and a half, what are you doing there? Walking vacant, riding around the property on the golf cart, looking at things I look at. So let's stop right there. When I started doing this, my next deal after those couple of duplexes I bought, I bought a 114 unit complex here in Nashville area. 
And that is when the economy tanked. So I pretty much became an owner daily manager on that property. And we were broke. There's a very long story. I don't want to get into it, but I was there every day. So I learned how to manage a property as an owner. And I tell people I did everything from clean carpets to paint walls, pick up trash, whatever I had to do. So having that experience and going on site to a complex, I've actually done it. So I kind of know what to look for. So yeah, when I'm there in Pensacola, I'm driving the parking lot, just thinking like a tenant would, looking at just just improvements we can make. Can we move that dumpster for curb appeal appearance? Do we need to paint that fence? Or do we have a model set up? Do we have make readies ready to be rented today? Where are we at in the process of renovating the next set of apartments? Are the front porches clean? Is the curb appeal paperwork in place? All those kinds of things. And how much of that is the property manager responsibility and how much of it do you feel that you really need to take charge in doing? I've seen this a lot as people buy apartments and this is kind of back on the broker side. So being a broker makes me a smarter owner because I see where people fail. And so these people will put a group together, they'll buy this apartment complex and then they'll call me and say, it's just not working out. We're having trouble. And I'm the problem solver, right? I'll go in and say, well, you've got a marketing issue. You don't have make ready. So I see this all the time. They think they're going to buy a property, give it over to a property management company, and then they just can walk away and expect this money to come. And they never manage their managers correctly. So I think that's part of it is the accountability and just building a rapport, building a friendship, letting your manager know what direction you want to take a property. Are you looking to increase rents or bring the maintenance costs down? What are you trying to do? And I think giving that roadmap to your managers and making sure they understand what your expectations are is hugely important. Is that roadmap written down? Yeah, and it changes, right? And you might go in with expectations. You know, this is such a fluid business. You can go in there with a game plan day one, and it's going to change based on tenants moving out, economic things, switching managers, managers quit, and you got to find a new one. You might have to re-explain their skill set versus the skill set of the previous manager might be different. So yeah, those are written down goals, but I think they're forever changing as well. Let's all pretend we close on this 86 units in Pensacola. What are your immediate steps? You just got done closing the deal. What are your immediate steps? Oh, let's see on that one. Within the first 30 days, I'm probably going to get down there and maybe even two weeks and again, make sure everything's moving forward in the direction I want it to go. And so with a property management company, there's going to be things that you have to flush out, accounts, utility bonds, insurance, all those kinds of things. So a lot of the work, I think, on the front ends with the management company, just tedious stuff like that, switching leases over into their whatever software system they're using. Are they going to produce a budget immediately for you to to review? Prior to acquiring the property, do you share your budget with the management company so that they know what you're looking for? Maybe not a line-by-line budget, but an overall, here's where we need to be expense per door annually number is definitely going to be a huge thing and making sure that we're all on the same page, that they don't have $7,000 a year to spend. And also, I think that's where kind of interviewing with that Florida property, interviewing property managers, and just making sure they understand what kind of owner you're going to be. So I'm very thrifty, and I hope that comes across in uh, you know with my <laughs> managers. Does thrifty mean cheap? No, thrifty doesn't mean cheap. But when I get to a property and there's more marketing material and signage that hasn't ever come out of a box, 
and I'm paying for it. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that stuff gets returned. Mm -hmm. So there's so many grassroots type of advertisings that you can do today and save yourself money that I don't think you have to have huge marketing budgets. These are all things that I've done in the past with tenant referrals and other marketing ways that you don't have to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars. So no, thrifty definitely does not mean cheap. Since you call yourself thrifty, it surprises me that you don't provide them an itemized budget because then they would know exactly where you're looking to spend in each item. So how can you choose not to do that? Well, the property managers are going to know more than you do, essentially. I meet a lot of owners that think that they're going to know more than myself sometimes or know more than a property management company on how to run something. So honestly, putting a budget together is a lot of work. I had a preliminary budget, but their numbers are still going to be what they want it to be. What's been a challenge on a deal that you've done? Can you talk to us about it? Yeah, I've got one deal that's still two years into it. It's still, it just seems like it can't get over a hump. It's in a small rural town here in Tennessee, and it's an, a rotating door for people coming and going <laughs> constantly and, and trying to find a good manager. When you're in a town of Fifteen or 20000 which is probably the mistake of buying in a small town, trying to find a good manager, trying to even find tenant in some of these small towns because the population doesn't grow. You're just turning over. Their tenants are hopping from one complex to another constantly. Mm -hmm. So that's something I just had a, a call with a friend and he said, you know, that's best advice is never to buy in a town less than 100000 Okay. I understand that principle now after owning <laughs> something in a small town, but I tell them what I paid per door and it's like, oh, okay, well, I see 18000 19000 a door. And the, oh, okay, I understand why you bought it now. Is the ROI worth the effort? Because it sounds like you're having to spend a lot more time on it compared to buying something in a larger city in the future that you might not have much time on, but might not make as much. Yeah, I think we have three vacant right now to 56. So we're to a point now. If we can get six months under our belt on that one, there's definitely a play to, to refinance, pull all of our capital back out get good Freddie Mac financing on it and not have any cash in the deal. So that's the play on that one. And cross my fingers, we're six months away from that happening. When you look at a deal, what are some of the things that you look for before you say, okay, yep, this is the type of deal I want? Physically, I want to make sure it's a property that I would actually want to own and buy and probably has physical characteristics. And then just like anybody else, I've got a cap rate that I'm kind of shooting for, but I want to see a upside to it. I want to see where I can go in there and add my talent and add value to it and bring the value up. What's um, the cap rate those, that you're looking for? Man, <laughs> it's changing <laughs> these days. You know, it used to be if we could find something in that eight, but now I'm saying probably if we could find stuff in the seven cap. But you know, that's such a... I get, you know, just like you probably do, you know, packages from brokers all the time and they tout it as an eight cap and then you'd start digging into it and it's nowhere near that. The expenses are off, the income's off. They've just played around with the numbers to get a cap rate that they're looking for. Instantaneously, when I get these packages, I go straight to the expense line and figure out per door what they're saying it's running at. I see them $1,800, $1,200 expense rates. And that's just impossible and, and unrealistic. What is possible and more realistic? $3,500, $4,000 door annual expense rate, I'd say. It depends. It depends on what kind of amenities you have or don't have and is an older property versus a newer property. 
something I've learned in Florida is the insurance down there is probably twice as what it is here in, in the middle Tennessee area. For good the, reason. With the wind. Yeah. And good reason it, it just jumped up on me quite a bit because of all the hurricanes. So that's something to think about. So when you're going in these markets, I think you've got to hedge against those things that you don't know. How did you have the comfort level to purchase in Pensacola when you live in Nashville? I think after doing this for 15 years, I've just gained that comfort level that I'm confident in my knowledge of what I'm doing to know that, again, back to, I think, finding a good management company and a good manager that you know is going to handle it and you don't have to be down there very often. That probably gives you the biggest comfort level. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, man. I think a lot of people I've helped through the brokerage firm, they're so fearful of making a mistake that they never do it. And they look back and kind of shake their head and wish they would have either done it or done more. I've been in part of all these real estate investment clubs and you go and I talk to the same people all the time. (laughs) And it's like, you just need to buy a property. Even if it fails, you just need to go buy something because of the experience that you'll gain just from owning something. When you look at your portfolio, what's the best performing investment and what's the worst? The one I bought the first time, the 114 unit, it's the best performing. I've got HUD debt on it, fixed for 35 years, and I've got a great property management company. It's in Middle Tennessee. The rents are going up. Physically, the property's in great condition. HUD makes you put a lot of money away for reserves. So got plenty of capital there to do whatever they want to make the property nicer. So that's probably the best one. The worst one's probably the one I told you, the 56 unit. And it's getting there. I'd say if you look at a portfolio, you have some that are right where you want them, some that might be 60 or 90 days, and then you're just kind of working a system. And then there's the one that you're just buying that you're just starting the whole process with. Back to the portfolio. Last year, I went through and kind of cleaned up. I had some smaller properties And I looked at them on a time basis. I'm spending an hour a week on this two unit property that I own a third of. We need to sell (laughs) that one and get it off and focus on the bigger stuff. And so I went through last year and refinanced pretty much everything I own, sold off the things that were taking a lot of my time, moved that capital into bigger projects and just sat back and kind of redid everything that I owned. Some of it I had owned. One of them was the first property I ever bought with my partners 12 or 13 years ago. I didn't want to sell it because it was my first property, but then just looking at the time I spent on it, it, it was a waste, time waste for me by this point. Did you just sell your ownership or did the whole property sell? The whole property sold. We just decided to dissolve the partnership. There was three of us in there and kind of back to where I started. My job was to manage those properties. The guys put the money up. We all got the loans for these six, they're just six duplexes, you know, probably a million dollar portfolio. But there was a lot of equity too. I mean, there was a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equity that we had in those that all of us kind of wanted to go our separate ways and break that up. And for me, I was managing them and spending all this time. And again, back to only owning a third of this $150,000 property, it didn't make sense for me anymore. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh man. Okay. I guess. <laughs> I think you're ready. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to 
patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Real Estate Innovators podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at therealestateinnovators.com. Best ever book you've read. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done, not your first, not your last, and that we haven't already talked about. A 14-unit deal I bought in downtown Nashville that was a complete wreck, and I increased the value by like 700 grand in a year. How'd you increase the value? Renovated every unit and then doubled the rents and took a big chance on it. The area became hip and trendy, and rents were four, and now there's thousand dollars a month wow and i've continued to dump money into it i've just reinvested to where now it's a nice little deal for me what's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already um partnering with the wrong people finding the right people to get on the bus with you depending on who you are and what you need if you need silent partners if you need money partners making sure you're finding the right money partners to do deals with you Knowing what you know now, how would you qualify a new potential partnership? Clarify that. What you, exactly well, what you're you're asking. You said finding the right people to get on the bus with you, so finding the right partners. Knowing all that you know now, if you were presented a new partnership opportunity, how would you qualify that individual? I buy deals to hold long-term. I'm not one of these fix and flip and get out of it. I want to be an old man and own lots of doors and collect doors. And I would want to make sure that you're in that same category. I don't want you calling me in six months needing your $100,000 back. So I'd say I want to make sure that you're plenty liquid. You're not giving me all your liquidity and that you're in it for the long term. Best ever way you like to give back? Oh, man. So I tell people I'm a redneck on the weekends. So we race four-wheelers all over the eastern United States from New York to Florida And two years ago, I started a youth summer camp for four-wheeler racing kids. So we have 50 to 60 kids that come and race four-wheelers with us and train with one of the best racers in the entire world for a whole week. So I spend a lot of time all year planning for that. I've got a farm that we've kind of created as a riding facility for youth riders as well. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? My email is dave, D-A-V-E, at R-I-A hyphen inc.com so david ria-inc.com or i've done this on every podcast and then my cell phone number is 615-479-8737 again 615 area code 479-8737 it's funny how i've done these podcasts and they're california based and i talked to one guy he's a postal worker right around the corner from my office and he heard me on the podcast so Call me. If you're in the area, if you've got deals, you're a broker, anywhere within a, a day's drive of Nashville, I'm looking. I didn't even talk about that. We've got a property management division that's got about 1,500 doors under management around Nashville. We'd love more management business. We're just trying to get in it and stay in it and mix it up with people. And any way that we can network with people, we'd, we'd love to. Well, Dave, thank you for being on the show and talking about your career your 86 units in Pensacola walking us through how you approach the trip when you go down there to go visit walking the vacants things you look for from a curb appeal standpoint 
and then also some of the expenses, $1,500 a unit to convert from aluminum wiring. And then the approach that you take with partners too, making sure that you're long-term vision aligned. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at therealestateinnovators.com.